You are listening to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, episode 97. Welcome to the Eyes on Conservation podcast, where we bring you engaging conversations about conservation and wildlife from all across the globe. I'm your host, Matt Podolsky. Today on the podcast, we are talking about a conservation issue that has been getting lots of mainstream media coverage over the past several months, the fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline. Now, this episode is a bit of a departure from our standard format. Instead of presenting you with a single interview, uh, my goal here is to actually take you inside this fight itself and present you with uh, something of a soundscape that uh, tells one aspect of the story behind this uh, ongoing conflict. Our story starts on the morning of November 14th. After driving through the night from my home in Boise, Idaho, I watched as a long line of vehicles formed at the exit from Oseti Sakowin Camp. This is the largest of three camps that have formed just south of the construction site where the Dakota Access Pipeline is poised to cross underneath the Missouri River. The people living here have come from all across the globe to stand alongside the Standing Rock Sioux Tribe in opposition to this pipeline construction. They refer to themselves as water protectors, not protesters, and on this cold morning in mid-November, they are prepared to express this opposition to what is commonly referred to in camp as the Black Snake. There are several hundred water protectors prepared to take action today, and every single one of them has participated in a nonviolent direct action training workshop. Although we don't expect there to be arrests on this day, everyone is prepared for the worst. Nobody is allowed to participate without signing a legal form that allows the pro bono legal team here in camp to advocate on their behalf and post bail. I'm actually shocked by how organized this whole process is. I'm in a vehicle with four other water protectors, one of whom is Ari Herman. Ari has been living in camp for about two weeks thus far, and because of his expressed interest in documenting life in camp, we immediately began discussing ideas for collaboration. Here's Ari. Why did you feel called to come out here? Uh, There's truly nowhere else I want to be right now, and uh, I can't really explain why I feel that way, but I do, and I have to go with my heart and follow that. What has brought you out here? Many Wachoni. Water is life. 
this is a time when the people need to stand up and protect Mother Earth. I believe that almost everyone on the planet is, is becoming aware of that. Today's action is in Bismarck, North Dakota, which is about an hour north of the camp. And it's the first time, actually, that, that water protectors from the front lines of this effort have organized an action this far away from uh, the pipeline construction. Helicopters circle our caravan of close to 100 vehicles for the entire one-hour trip into Bismarck. Our every move is being tracked by law enforcement. Everyone in the vehicle is tense and a little nervous. Uh, uh, none of us knew the details of today's action until minutes before departing from camp. This was an intentional decision on the part of the organizers to prevent undercover law enforcement, which I am told has a constant presence in camp, from finding out these details. Um, yeah, pepper spray can be damaging permanently to the eye. The sound cannon can destroy your hearing. Keep going, don't stop. Yeah, go for it. What brought you out to Standing Rock? I wanted to protect um, the water and, and what's sacred, uh, you know, what sustains the life of not only my child, but her children and so on, you know, the future generations. It's important. What is your background? I was uh, United States Army, and you know, I did that for 12 years. I've been out for three, and um, you know, it's I, I've done work in IT and sales. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, the work that I do now kind of allows me the time to uh, be a part of this right now. Since coming out here, do you feel like your resolve has shifted? Has it grown? Has it lessened? How do you feel about the nuances? Is there anything? Well, I came here with a bit of aggression and um, you know a bit of anger towards the situation since being here and being involved in the, the community, uh, taking part in the ceremonies and, and um, different rituals that are part of the native culture, my mindset has shifted a bit and um, you know, I'm a lot calmer about what's going on, more aware, you know, just trying to uh, take it all in and um, process it and you know, make sure that, that whatever I do, whatever I get involved with is um, you know, of, of sound mind and body, spirit. Cool. How long are you staying? I don't have a time frame. Mm-hmm. Just following my heart. Upon arrival in Bismarck, all of the vehicles begin to disperse at the instruction of the organizers. There are police everywhere, but they're unable to follow everyone as cars break off into residential areas and find safe places to park. The plan is for everyone to converge on the state capitol to begin our march through the city. We walk in small groups and slowly we begin to convene on the state capitol.
7,000 people on our reservation. Most of them are elderly and our children. We can't do this without you. So we put out the call. And you came, my brothers and sisters. You have families at home. You're fighting for them. But guess what? This is a family right here. Oh, my brothers and sisters, and I love every one of you for coming and supporting us. Ah, me So the struggle here to get here today is an example of the struggle that our people continue to live through. It's an example how this, this uh, government continues to oppress and oppose our people of color, and it continues to not agree and make right consultation with the, their local tribes. Always getting in the way and trying to stop our people from gathering in ceremony and gathering in prayer. But this is also an example that we will prevail, we will make it to our destination, we will win, and we will come in a prayerful, peaceful manner. That cannot be stopped. We will continue to move in this way as our, as our people from across this nation has united to stand with Standing Rock. People of all faiths, all colors, all religions have came to stand with Standing Rock. We will be successful. We will win. And we'll continue to stick to the core values of the leadership of the Standing Rock tribe. And we will remain peaceful and prayerful and walk in ceremony. Oh. 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 We will now all march together, walk together in prayer and ceremony to ask the residents and the people of Bismarck to join with us to be on the right side of history. At this point, the large crowd, which was at least three to four hundred strong, began to slowly make its way across the Capitol lawn and out towards the street. There was a critical moment when the main road had to be blockaded to allow the full crowd to occupy the street. There was a self-identified subset of the crowd of water protectors who were not concerned about getting arrested. Uh, these folks, deemed the arrestables, rushed out in front of the procession and blockaded the street with locked arms. Several police vehicles rushed to this spot with the lights flashing, but they allowed the crowd to, to take over the street. At each subsequent intersection, this same group of arrestables repeated this strategy, rushing out in front of the group to set up a barrier between the main crowd and the gathering law enforcement officers. When we reached our destination alongside the Army Corps of Engineers office, the police had set up a blockade made up of numerous vehicles and a row of officers dressed in full riot gear, batons and pepper spray at the ready. This was the most tense moment of the day's action by far. Uh, several of the water protectors approached the row of police, attempting to taunt them into action. Luckily, the organizers were there, ready, and almost immediately pulled these agitators aside, uh, explaining the importance of remaining peaceful. Back up, back up, back up. 
Now, I know it's a little difficult to understand what this scene really looks like. Essentially, this single agitator, whose face was hidden behind ski goggles and a gas mask, was confronting the newly forming line of riot police um, with his phone live streaming the entire time. Now, as I explained earlier, uh, this moment of high tension did not last long, and once everyone on both sides calmed down a little bit, the, the ceremony began in earnest. Non-native water protectors locked arms in a circle around the Native American participants, some of whom were members of the Standing Rock Sioux tribe, but many of whom were representing other tribes from all across the continent. are able to tell their own story. Our story has been misinformed in the history books that we read when we go to school. Our story has been made fun of by NFL and NBA basketball teams and football teams, local high schools. For the first time in American history, the indigenous people have the space to tell the world their own story. We're still here! And this has only been made possible because of our white brothers and sisters that have come to the realization that they are very play a very important role in the freedom and liberation of their country. As you see, our white brothers and sisters are defending us, surrounding us. This is not just the protection for the indigenous people that are inside, but it's also for the protection of the officers on the outside and the rest of this country. They are standing as true warriors and true defenders of liberty, of freedom, of democracy. We will continue to hold this space until we know about the health and welfare of our family that is locked inside. And we will hold this space in an indigenous manner and take this space and time by listening to our elders and the seventh generation that has led this movement. 
Chante, now I'm bad shoes off, below. Chante, I'll hit the car, you mock My name is Robert Eater. I'm from Fort Peck originally. I live in Standing Rock. I've lived there for almost 10 years now. Seeing the problems associated with what we're fighting and what we're standing for. I'm very honored to be here with you today. I have told that I, I stay at Sacred Stone Camp. People talk about saying we have a bunch of hippies there. Those are my brothers and sisters because when we first put out the call, the Rainbow family came. And some of our brothers and sisters from Oklahoma came family. So we're very honored here today to stand with all people from America. We have, we have thought about this many, many times about the prophecies that Native people, we are an inclusive society. Those three ships landed and we welcomed them. We weren't an exclusive society. So we, we, we suffered all the, adverse, all the adversity of building this country. From, from the genocide to the economic disadvantage, educational disadvantage, all the things associated in America. But we have endured. We have endured because we have a core value that our matriarchal society that we forgot about. We assimilated and acculturated a lot of negative things that have been detrimental to our culture. But again, through all our elders, we endured and we held on to that core value that in the Lakota, Lakota way, we say, Wo Lakota, and it's a way of life. The way of life is through that sacred pipe that was brought to us by Kasawi, the sacred white buffalo calf pipe woman, a woman brought this message. A woman brought this sacred way and this, and this eternal word that is written on every heart of every Native American in America and that all life is sacred and to be treated with respect, meaning the earth, the water, the plants, the animals, and all of God's children, which America is. We stood by America and helped build it into a great country our sacrifice, our blood, is represented on that flag that flies so proudly over this country. And what were we supposed to do? This is our homeland. There is no truer patriot or greater American who has made a sacrifice to defend this country and protect the freedom that all other people take for granted. It is paid for in blood, the blood of our relatives who served on foreign soil in numerous wars. Numerous wars. We have the highest enlistment rate in America in every war. In every war, we have answered a call to America. And America has chose to deny us our basic fundamental rights. It has emblazoned across its federal buildings and, and the Supreme Court. It says equal justice under the law. Well, us natives have become educated and articulate in the demographics of this society we call America. And we're not happy here. We're not happy here because we have, we have paid the eternal sacrifice to pay for that freedom that all Americans take for granted. That freedom was paid for in blood, blood of our relatives. That's what we're facing here today. Greed, greed in its purest form for money and gold. They sold Christ for 30 pieces of silver. And that's the kind of people who would rape our society, who would invest in America, 
and say they believe in those high constitutional standards of law that we all suffer and fight and die for. And when we put out the call, we called out to America, to America's conscience to say yes, yes, we owe them a debt of gratitude for the sacrifices and the injustices we have suffered as Native American people, true Americans. And when we put out the call, America answered. We are thankful that the American people are here because this is not just about our water. We hold that water sacred as Native Americans and we have defended it and strive to defend it for all the mankind, all of humanity. That is our way. That is the way we have been from the beginning of time. And we started with a prayer, a peaceful prayer, a prayer from ancient times by fireplaces that glowed the light in the darkness. And we shared that prayer here and we saw it blossom into this right here. America speaking when we see all these American citizens whose ancestors who have paid the eternal price with us in wars, stood by us and helped build us into the greatest country in the world. It may not be utopia, but it's the best country in the world because our ancestors, white, black, red, yellow, have stood together to dispel and displace racism and hate and greed. So now it is time for America to speak again, to stand up in solidarity and fight for that, that right. All our ancestors have paid for that in blood, blood on foreign soil. We weren't the only ones there. And now that we know this, we have called out to America as brothers and sisters, as Americans, as Americans, we have to change the destiny and the legacy we're gonna leave our children. And it has to be something pure and good. We can't continue in racism and greed and hatred. We must, we must leave our children a true legacy of love, forgiveness and understanding and utilize, take those core values. I'm so proud of our youth. My heart swells. I'm honored to be in this historic moment in time where people in the world and the United States and all people and all tribes have come together in a common cause to endeavor to stop this rape of our resources in America. America is not for sale for foreign interests who come into America with foreign money and foreign banks and rape our resources and leave it for the blue collar. Patriots of America, this is your water, and we are thankful you are here to join us and send a message to America. We won't have corporate financial interests coming into America and destroying our resources. America's resources are not for sale, just like the Black Hills or any native lands that are held sacred. The Republicans may have taken control of the Senate and the House, but we still have that Constitution. And if we abide by it in a peaceful manner, we can endure and change America. Because it says on that great document that the Founding Fathers wrote so long ago, we the people, we the people control America. This is our destiny at stake. This is not some politician in Washington, D.C. or somebody sitting in a federal building dictating to us 
that it's okay to rape our resources, rape our resources and leave us the mess to deal with. Good working, hard working Americans. What is wrong with this state and these people who would suppress rights, constitutional rights that we hold so high and say equal justice under the law? Where is the justice when court decisions come out in favor of corporate entities who rape our resources? That's not what we suffer and die for in wars together. I'm a veteran and I'm proud of that fact. And I'm aimed too, because this is our country. And whatever flag this country flies, I will defend it because it is my homeland. And you should all remember that. This is your home. This is not the 1800s. Time to close wounds, wounds of hate and discord. We can't change history. We can't walk backwards and correct the wrong that has been done to our people. But I'm sure you can see America that the natives have welcomed you, welcomed you as Americans who have suffered and died with us in wars many times. We are so thankful and honored. Let's send a message to these people in power, in the governmental powers, that we're not having the breach of treaties. We're not idiots. They have stolen $900 billion from the native people. How much more have they stole from American people in the interest of so-called political endeavors. <coughs> Thank you. Thank you for being here, taking the times out of your lives to show America that our resources are not for sale to anybody with money. We value them with all our life. Water is sacred. Water is precious. Water precious is enough to die for. Water of life. Miniwichone. words. Thank you, Elder, brother. We're going to now listen from a song from another member of the seventh generation that has been leading this. Aho, my name is Oyate Wayankapo. People watching me. My government name is Brandon Ironhawk. And I'm honored to be here today with all of you to stand for Standing Rock, but also for our Mini Bichoni. Water is life. I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for, our, for all of you for traveling from far away to come here and stand with us. The song I'm going to sing is going to say, Unchi and Ina, Grandma and Mom, because that's where we're all, we're all born from mothers. We're all born in water. And uh, I, want to, I want to sing this song for everyone that's here and for everyone that's watching. And I, I'm here to represent my tribe, the Oglala Lakota Nation.
As the speeches, songs, and prayers came to an end, another crucial moment of the day's action presented itself. What next? How do we retreat without inciting violence? The organizers actually diffused this situation by making a phone call to the Standing Rock Sioux tribal elders, most of whom had remained back on the reservation. It was announced that that the elders wished for us to return to camp in a peaceful manner. While there were likely a small handful of folks who who were upset by this decision, um, there was nobody there who was going to directly question the wisdom of the Standing Rock elders, and the group did begin to slowly march back towards the state capitol without incident. Back at the state capitol lawn, the crowd circled up for one final series of announcements from the organizers and tribal representatives. This is the first time that this presence of the water protectors has been felt in their land. They brought the 
I won't bring it to them. That being said, our battle is a ceremonious battle. It's a prayerful battle. It's a battle for our mother. It is a battle for the waters that feed all of the four-legged, all of the winged ones. All of the swimming ones. And that is what we hold in our hearts as protectors. And that is what we come to give this message here. This Today was not a day for confrontation. Today was not a day for physical assault. That is not what we came here for. And we are glad that that is not what happened. As the crowd began to disperse and our small group started to walk back towards our vehicle, we reflected on the day's action. Standing on a line where I was, I didn't really have a choice. I did have a choice, but I didn't really have a choice but to stay there. Um, really, me and I was tired, you know, and I was thirsty and I was hungry and I didn't know how long we were going to be there for. And it made me think about just like civil liberties in general and uh, when you don't have a choice in what you're doing on a larger scale, whether you're in prison or whether you're forced to do... I just really appreciated my freedom today. There's something, I mean, to me, just like the first time we saw cops in the riot here, like you feel that power that they have over you. Yes. You know, in a very tangible way. And their decisions dictate what happens next right? Like, it's out of my control. Like, they could choose to be an aggressor in that situation, and there's nothing I could do, (laughs) you know? Um, And I mean, that entire time we were standing there next to the courthouse, right? They're just standing there in full riot gear with guns at the ready. It's scary. It's, um, It's this feeling that any... You know, you talk about not having a choice when you're in a line with people. You do have the choice, but, like, there's the... There's this sort of like Spartan solidarity, like fighting, yes. being a unit together. Same with the police. There's a unit. There's a unity in what they're doing, safety in numbers, and um, giving yourself. I don't know. Just giving yourself a sober check-in that like you chose to be where you're at, yeah. and like it's largely out of your control at this point. And if you you could walk away, but like I don't You've know. Already chosen to be there. Yeah, you have. And you don't know into if there's one thing that's really that i think we're all looking for and we continue to come back to is peace and i think the biggest thing that keeps you there actually is a sense of inner peace knowing that you're you're where you're needed and you're where you feel you belong and there's a strange novelty value that i feel a little ashamed of appreciating when i'm out there because i'm trying to do a job to save an environmental resource for generations to come and not just have it be i don't know squandered for um a stock index on a very short-term sort of thinking scale. I, anyways, regardless of like falling down that rabbit hole of ideas, I just felt good for what side we were on today. And in a strange way, I liked the cops being where they were at and how the dignity that we dealt with each other. Now, I'm not sure how much of the intensity of this event is, is really going to come through by listening to this series of recordings that I am putting together here, but I will say this. Participating in this action put me way outside of my comfort zone, 
We've covered many different aspects of conservation here in the podcast, but this is the first time that we've addressed the practice of civil disobedience. That said, even for those folks who are more familiar with civil disobedience and this type of action, this is truly a unique situation. While this approach has certainly been used to forward environmental causes, with the fight against the Keystone XL pipeline being uh, the most recent example, this situation in North Dakota is unique because of the remoteness of the location and also because of the direct connection with indigenous rights. This is a movement with clear leadership and vision, and it was truly inspiring to see the empowerment that it has given to everyone who is involved. At a time when many environmentalists are wallowing in despair because of the election of another climate change denier to our office of president, the people of Standing Rock are unwavering in their commitment to halting the construction of this pipeline. Now, despite this feeling of solidarity, which is clearly present within the movement, during the two days that I spent at Osseti Sakawin camp in the shadow of the Dakota Access Pipeline, there was certainly a feeling of rising tension as the construction crews were on the cusp of being ready to start drilling underneath the Missouri River to lay that pipe. Multiple actions were being planned every single day with a high importance being placed on shutting down work at the various construction sites before they could start drilling under the river. The day that I left North Dakota to drive back to my home in Boise, Idaho, there were actions planned at dozens of Army Corps of Engineers offices all across the country, since this is the agency with the authority to halt construction and require a new environmental assessment of the project. Apparently, the Army Corps felt this pressure because on that same day, they announced a temporary halt to construction after determining that quote, additional discussion and analysis are warranted in light of the history of the Great Sioux Nation's dispossessions of lands, the importance of Lake Oahu to the tribe, our government-to-government relationship, and the statute governing easements through government property, end quote. Although this gives the Standing Rock Sioux and all of those who stand with them in opposition to the pipeline some much-needed breathing room, It is only temporary, and the Army Corps is not promising anything. As soon as the Army Corps released this statement, the two corporations responsible for construction of the pipeline, Energy Transfer Partners and Dakota Access LLC, filed a lawsuit, asking the federal government to allow them to complete the pipeline without further delays. Meanwhile, during the past week, the first winter storm of the season has made its way through the Dakotas. There was much talk about winterization during the time that I spent at Osseti Sakawin camp, and I was overall thoroughly impressed by how well organized the camp was. That said, those living in all three of the camps along the pipeline route remain reliant on the generosity of people from all across the globe who have been donating food, clothes, and funds to the effort. Without this level of support, the movement likely would have fizzled many months ago. So please check out the show notes page for this episode where we'll have links to uh, the donation sites where you can contribute financially or otherwise to this ongoing effort to stop the Dakota Access Pipeline. Those show notes can be found at wildlensinc.org slash EOC97. That's W-I-L-D-L-E-N-S-I-N-C dot org slash EOC97. 
I've had a lot of fun experimenting with a new format in this episode of the show, and it would be really great to get some feedback from our listeners on this one. Leave a comment on the show notes page. Shoot us a message over on the new EOC podcast Facebook group or shoot an email to info at wildlensinc.org. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes or the podcatcher of your choice, and we always appreciate honest ratings and reviews on iTunes. Just search for Eyes on Conservation in the iTunes store. The Eyes on Conservation podcast is a production of Wild Lens. Today's episode was produced by myself, your host, Matt Podolsky, along with our newest EOC contributor, Ari Herman. The music from today's episode comes directly from the front lines of the fight against the Dakota Access Pipeline.